We've been in a series this last month concerning searching for God. Pastor Michelle talked last week, I believe it was, just about does God love everybody? There are these basic things that we need to know. I want to cap off this month with probably the, one of the most, if not the most important thing that we will deal with in our searching for God. How do we know his will? Before we do, let's just pray. Father, we, we give you thanks that it's you who has loved us. We didn't love you first. We were your enemies. We were in rebellion against you. We were treasonous. We just did our own, uh, our own thing. We did what we wanted. We gave no thought to you. But it was you, out of your character, out of who you were, who first loved us. And our response to your love is that we love you. And so, Lord, as in response to your love and in outworking and fulfilling that love, our desire and our commitment is toward you. Father, this is not about us. This is about you. We were made for your pleasure. We were made for your glory. You fashioned each of us uniquely, specifically for your good pleasure. Gave us the families that we have. Gave us the gifts that we possess. The temperaments that we have. Our aptitudes. All of those things were not for us. They were for you that you might be pleased. And so, Lord, today, as you've met us this morning and you have met needs, it's you again loving us that we might understand that it is your character, that it is who you are. You are love. You don't just possess it, you are it. And Lord, the more we walk with you, the more we understand what that means for each of us. And so, Lord, as we've already confessed that we desire more, we desire more of you. And we know that our fullness is in the fulfillment of your purposes for us. And so, in trust and in yieldedness this morning, we turn our eyes on you. We lean in to hear from you that we might be better able to serve you and to accomplish your will and your purposes. And so, Lord, I ask this morning that you would give us ears to hear. Awaken our ears today to hear that which you are saying. Lord, I simply ask that you would help me as a servant to speak that which you would have said and to convey your heart. 
Father, I ask so that both the hearing and the declaring of your word would be honoring and pleasing to you. And so we consecrate this time. We set our hearts and our minds aside so that we might hear from you and respond appropriately in obedience to you. For we commit this all to you now for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the things that Pastor Michelle said, I believe it was the very first week, that I, I thought, boy, this is so important. I heard everything. My prayer was that you heard what she said. She quoted C.S. Lewis. We are not the center of this. This is not about us. This is about him who made us. And the more you're able to make that shift in your thinking, the easier it will be as you try to walk out the will of God and the purposes of God. The biggest obstacle that we have to overcome is us and how we see this. And so this morning I want to go down a road, take us down a road where we, where we look at just what it means to go deeper and to go further, which is really to fulfill his purposes. There's a scripture that I want to start with. I mean, a lot of scriptures. I don't have uh, uh, the overheads today, so if you're taking notes, just mark the scriptures because there are a lot of them that I want to touch. But I want to start, first of all, in Matthew 7. Chapter 7, verse 21. This is Jesus. Talks about a tree and its fruit. Good trees that bear good fruit. Bad trees that bear bad fruit. Um, then he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But listen to what he says. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Let me read that again. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Prophesying, cast out demons, and do many miracles. That almost sounds contradictory, doesn't it? But you realize you can do all of those things. And Jesus will say, I don't know you. Let me fast forward to something that I'll pick up a little later on. But I want to insert it here because I saw something that I had never seen before with this passage. There was a place where Jesus' family, his brother and sister's mother, were. they wanted to see him because they thought he was crazy. The disciple says, your mother and your brother, sisters are outside. You know what Jesus says? 
Who are my mother and my brother and my sisters but those who do the will of my Father? There's something that supersedes your family. Who is your family? Those who do the will of the Father. So when Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom. Do you know what he's looking for? Those who will do the will of the Father. That's his family. Most important thing that you can come to grips with is that issue of his will and how you relate and respond to that. Now, I want to talk this morning about knowing his will. How do we know his will? Uh, Let me start by saying, everybody asks the question, how do I know the will of God? I want to start by looking at two larger issues and then get a little more specific as we go go further. Um, When you hear God's will, most of us think about big questions. What job am I going to do? You know, uh, 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 what career should I take? Who should I marry? Those are things. And the Bible doesn't specifically talk about those things at all. But there are two aspects of the will of God that I do want to to talk about. Uh, Emerson Eggerston, what a name, talks about two aspects of the will of God. He talks about the universal will of God and the personal will of God. This is, a, this is a pastor uh, in East Lansing, or in Lansing, Michigan. He's the pastor of Trinity Church there. But the universal will of God is essentially where the Bible is very explicit about this is the will of God. Okay? And I want to deal with those first. Because at least we know the Bible says this is the will of God. So I just want to get that out of the way. Because those are very important. Those are very important. There's an acronym that, that he quotes, BAGS, B-A-G-S. Um, very first of the explicits, the universal will of God, is believe in Jesus. John chapter 6, verse 38 through 40. For I have come down from heaven, this is Jesus, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I lose nothing. But raise it up on the last day, for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. So the very first of the things that we know is the will of God is that we believe and trust in Jesus. And that's important because everything else that we are supposed to live in and live out and and apprehend and manifest comes out of our relationship with Jesus. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord, then you have no ability to deal with any of the other issues. The most important decision that you will ever make in your life 
is to trust and to yield to the Lordship of Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. If there are any of you sitting here today who do not know him, I suggest, I urge, I implore you, you need to meet him. You need to meet him because everything else, I don't care how good you are about anything else you do, it doesn't matter if you don't know him because everything you need to do and be will come out of that. Um, there's a little verse that um, in Galatians, Paul writes, chapter 2, verse 20. This is what he says. And many of you will know it because it's one of those that you learn Christianity 101. I'm going to read it just so that you will know that this ain't Carlton. I've been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. That's why it's so important for you to start there. Because what takes us on into the further purposes of God isn't our ability at all. It's the fact that Christ lives in me. His inclination for his whole life, do you realize, was marked by a desire to do God's will. That's not something you stir up. As a matter of fact, I believe, I, I want to say it's in Romans 3. It says, there's nobody who seeks God. There's nobody who longs for God. You don't even have the ability to do that. But the only way that you're able to be concerned about the purpose of God is that Christ is in you, that his life in you yearns for the purposes of God. Do you, do you see that? That's an amazing thing. That's an amazing thing. You don't have that apart from him in you. And so you've got to start there. As a matter of fact, in Romans 8, it actually says at one point, you know, it talks about the Spirit of God in us, but then it makes, Paul makes an interesting statement. He said, if the Spirit of Christ is not in you, you don't even belong to him. And that's right at, let me just read, read it to you. Let me just read it to you. Because it's, it's such an important thing. These are not even in my notes, and so I'm just... Uh, but, but you just need to see this. However, verse 8, verse 9. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. So if the Spirit of God is in you, you're not in the flesh, you're in the Spirit. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, Though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead, and goes on to talk about the spirit of God, but then he makes that 
bothering statement about the Spirit of Christ. He said, if the Spirit of Christ isn't in you, you don't belong to him. What's the difference between the Spirit of God and the Spirit of Christ? Psalm 40. I just want to, I want you to understand the difference and why it's so important. Psalm 40. It's quoted in Hebrews 10, but the writer of Hebrews is actually starting quoting from Psalm 40. Verse 6, sacrifice and meal offering you have not desired. My ears you have opened. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Verse 7, then I said, behold, I come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. I delight to do your will. Oh my God, your law is within my heart. That's quoted in Hebrews 10. And the quote is Jesus saying, I delight to do your will. That's Christ's desire is to do your will. So if Christ is in you, then guess what your desire is going to be? To do his will. If Christ is not in you, then you have no desire to do the will of God. So, that's, that's an important thing to, to understand. So, like I said, Christ's life was marked by this inclination to do God's will, and it needs to be a critical mindset for us. We each need to be committed to obey what we know. Before God starts showing you anything, you need to make a commitment to do the will of God. Some people just want to know things because they just simply want to be in the know. They like information. Just give me stuff. But no, 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 no. God looks at your heart. He wants an ear that not only hears, but that is inclined then to obey. So before you start talking about the will of God, you need to make a commitment that God, whatever your will is, that's the thing that I'll do. Okay. That's where it starts with Christ. Okay. That's the first of the universal wills. Second one, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. That is that you abstain from sexual immorality. That's, you, don't even, you don't need to pray fast or do anything. The Bible is very clear about all of that. This is the will of God, your sanctification. We are called to be holy. Holy doesn't mean you keep a whole lot of the rules and everything else. Holy means, God, I am set apart to you. And I live this way because I am set apart to you. I am different. I am other than the world that I live in. One of the, the reason that sexual immorality is, is mentioned there is because it is so prevalent. In our generation, in particular, since the 60s, you look at what's going on with sexual immorality. God's not even going to address the issues of revealing will and purpose until you get your stuff straight. You deal with the, the, the willful sin that goes on. That's particularly difficult in this generation. 
Third of the universals, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18. Rejoice also, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What is God's will for you explicitly stated? It's communion with God. Pray without ceasing. This isn't just simply that I say a few prayers in the morning, pray, you know, now I lay me down to sleep. You know. <laughs> I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray you take my brother Jake. No, 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 no. It's, this isn't that. This is ongoing communion with God. That is the will of God. It is so central. Pastor Michelle over the last several weeks has talked about seeking him. That's central to the will of God in your life. You need to be committed to that and to trust regardless of the circumstances. In everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. In everything, not for everything, but in everything, give thanks. For this is God's will for you. Do you remember Job and all that he went through? See, the sign of trust is what happens when it gets difficult. Lost his kids, lost his wealth, got afflicted with all kinds of things. He, he faced difficulty. It's very interesting. Do you know Job's wife, her response all of that was. And, and you got to understand, this is a woman who's lost everything. She's lost her kids. She's like, she said, curse God and die. That was her response. Job's response was, though he would slay me, yet will I trust him. In everything, give thanks. That's the will of God. Those are the universals. Those are the universals. One last one, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as to one in authority or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God that you do right, uh, that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. You are called and I are called to walk under authority. Spiritual authority. Civil authority. Why? Because all authority, ultimately, guess where it comes from? Comes from him. For me to push against that is, is a sign of disregarding his authority, which is an act of treason and rebellion. So we're called to live and to walk under authority, but also to do the right thing. Authority is there not for those who are righteous, but for evildoers. So we're called to do the right thing. Okay, I don't want to delve too much into that because that can take us in a whole lot of other directions. But those are the four universals. Walking with the universal uh, will of God, or in that, will actually trigger what Eggerston then calls the personal will of God. That's a little bit more unique. Now, I want to touch real quickly on, on 
five things that, that help us to address the personal will of God in our life. First of all, commit your decision, your decision to God. Pray. Pray. You're seeking situations. You're seeking answers. You're looking for the will of God. Ask him. Jesus says, ask and it'll be given you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. Here's the thing. You ask your father for a loaf, he's not going to give you a rock. You ask him for a fish, he's not going to give you a serpent. But the interesting thing about this, it does, doesn't just say ask one time. What it implies is ask and keep asking. Seek and keep seeking. Knock and keep knocking. It's a persistence. God, I am continually coming before you with this request to know your purpose. Why? Because I trust that if I'm asking you for this, you'll, you'll let me know. You'll make it known to me. So the very first of those is, is to ask. Commit your decision to God. The second of those, those uh, 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 issues is to go to the Word. There are principles in God's word that you need to understand apply to the circumstances that you are asking about. Lord, is this inconsistent with the circumstances of your word? I was talking with someone not too long ago, about years ago. I would hear stories. I didn't know anybody personally who did it, but I would hear stories of... of uh, uh, women who were so given toward ministry that they felt like, I need to leave my, my husband and my family so that I can go off and do ministry. Well, guess what? That completely disregards the principles of Scripture. You need to know the Word of God. You need to know the Word of God. And then also, the, one of the benefits of knowing the Word is that there are enough circumstances in the Scriptures that you may just run across something that you're looking for an answer for. Did somebody else in the Scriptures face the situation that I am facing? When I met Lawanda, uh, we took some time to fast and pray, and, and I was just kind of, Lord, I need to know, and I need to know this well, and da-da-da-da-da. And, and we took some time to fast. And I ran across in Genesis, Isaac and Rebekah. It was one of those times I read through that, and I found nine, nine circumstances that were identical to what Lawanda and I were facing as we were praying and asking God. There it was, right there in the Word. I, as a matter of fact, I took my little pencil and I numbered them. There were nine of them. But what do you do? You go to the Word. Let me say this about the Scriptures, because I'll mention it again in, in a few minutes. Um, you can't stress enough the Word of God. Why? Because the Word of God, the Scriptures provide all of the raw materials you're going to need in discerning and knowing what God is saying. 
It's all the raw materials. If you don't have many, you don't have a whole lot to work from, and you're really subject to missing things here and there. So you need to be committed to the Word of God so that you've got all of the... And I don't just mean to snack on that. I mean you really do need to know the Word of God. Okay. Third step, know your circumstances. Because not only is God working in you to bring about his will, but in many cases, you need to know the circumstances around you because it's those circumstances that he's working in also. He has something that he may want you to do, but your circumstances may be the very thing that dictates a need for the thing that you want. So there's a consistency. Understand he's not just working in you, but he's working around you as well. And you need to understand and you need to see that. Fourth thing, seek counsel and advice. This is where it takes the rest of the body of Christ because the Holy Spirit gives gifts. He gives gifts. And those gifts are not for the people that got the gifts. Those gifts are for those who need the gifts. One of the explicit gifts of the nine that are, missed, that are mentioned in 1 Corinthians, guess what it is? Gift of wisdom. You want to find those folks. You're seeking to know God's will in a situation. Find somebody, or more likely, God has placed somebody in and around the family, the community, the body of believers that you're in who has a gift. Look to them for counsel. Prophetic things, look to them for counsel. Why? Because those are things that he has already known and seen your situation, and they have a special gift for being able to give you good counsel. Okay? Number five. Trust the Holy Spirit. That's probably, should have made it number one. There's an inner conviction and prompting that comes from the Holy Spirit. On March 20th, 1978, I was at work. I've probably shared this here before, but God just... Didn't hear it here, heard it there, inner, inner prompting, inner voice. Carlton, it pleases me to introduce you to your bride, to introduce her to you. Prepare yourself to meet your bride. Inner prompting, March 20th, 1978. Eight days later, March 28th, 1978, I flew to Kansas City. I stayed at the house of Lee and Mary Brooks. And sitting there at the table was LaWanda Thompson. Inner promptings. Went to bed that night and I thought, Lord, if this is not your will, at least we're in the right ballpark here. <laughs> but the inner promptings, he will give you those. Isaiah 30, chapter, uh, chapter 30, verse 21 says this, your ears will hear a voice behind you. This is the way, walk in it whenever you turn to the right or to the left, okay? The last of those, those, those issues is to trust God for the outcome. Once God helps you with the decision in terms of moving forward and pursuing his will, don't draw back. Don't draw back. Continue to press on. Now, the thing is, there are some things that we need to focus on, and I want to real quickly just rifle through a number of them. I don't know that I'll get to touch all of them, but there's some scriptures that I want to share with you, and I want to just simply 
touch what, what we need to look at as it relates to those. Psalm 25, verses 4 and 5. Make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth. Teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day. Walk in God's ways. Learn to understand God's ways. Do more than just simply look at the things that God is doing. Lord, what is this teaching me about you and how you tend to do things? I heard somebody once talk about spit mud. Do you know what spit mud is? Jesus went to heal a guy, and you know what he did? <clears throat> I probably wouldn't do that. I'd be grossed out by it. But he chose to do that, and I started to understand, and Lord, your ways are a little more unorthodox. You don't do things the way that I do things. So learn Learn his ways. Psalm 25, verses 8 and 9. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in justice, and he teaches the humble his way. This is a big focus. The key is humility. You want to know the will of God? And, and the thing is, you have to humble yourself. If God gets involved in humbling you, it ain't going to be pretty and it's not going to be nice because if God gets involved, now you got humiliation that starts to come along with it. This is why he says humble yourself. It's much easier, much easier for you to do that. You humble yourself. I don't want God to have to humble me because he'll take out the ball bat <laughs> upside the head. But that's the issue. That's the issue. Humility equates with teachability. Be adjustable. Be teachable. Let go of our schemes and the idea that we just know this is the best thing. Because the minute you start to hold on to those, you get locked in. So be teachable. You know that you've lost humility when you stop being adjustable, and you start to be more stiff-necked about, about things. The road that you take often is different than the one you planned. Let me say that again. The road that you travel is often going to be different than the one that you planned. Luanda and I have a, a proverb that we quote all the time. A man's mind plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. If you are not humble, guess what? You will miss when the change comes in the road. It will distract you. It will take you away from the purposes of God. Psalm 119, uh, uh, verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I've already addressed that. Don't snack on the word of God. Saturate in it. We all know Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will make your paths straight. You want a straight path to the will of God? Then you acknowledge him in your circumstances, because he's the one that knows the road, and you don't lean on what? Your own understanding. What tends to happen is this. When you trust God, he makes the rough places plain and the crooked places straight. The way that you know you're pursuing your own way in this thing 
It keeps cycling around. Psalm 19, many of the, uh, verse 21, many of the plans in the Lord, uh, a man's heart, but the counsel of the Lord will stand. The path sometimes veers in a different direction. Joseph had a dream about ruling. He didn't know that that dream was going to take him to Egypt, to Potiphar's house, and to jail. It was still God's will then. The counsel of the Lord stands. This is what I've called you to, but God, this is not what I thought you were saying. That's okay. You trust the counsel of God. When he makes clear his purpose to you, you just trust that regardless to what the circumstances look like. God told Abraham or Abram, go to a place that I'll show you. So he leads Abram. Where does Abram end up? He ends up actually in a famine. That's how, do you realize that's how he got to, to Egypt? Bad circumstances. Difficult. Notice how many times difficulties come up in the stories that we're talking about. I'm going to skip through some of these. But there's some that I want to touch, and then I'll, then I'll close down. John, uh, John chapter 10, verses 3 and 4. To him the doorkeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, he calls his own sheep by name, leads them out. When he puts forth his, all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. John chapter 10, verses 3 and 4. What happens is we need to focus on recognizing the voice of our shepherd. Do you know what Jesus' voice sounds like? Do you know what his voice sounds like? Because here's what he says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. That's when you need to take a little bit of time and say, Lord, help me to recognize your voice, because it actually says another voice they're not going to follow, but they know my voice. The more you, you, Lord, train my ear to recognize your voice when it's you so that I will then know that this is you and not bad pizza. Abram spent 50 years. in it. That's why this issue of continually going back and seeking and communing, and learning his word, seeing and, and learning how to recognize, yes, Jesus, this is your voice. On the one hand, he says, Sarah's going to have the baby. 50 years later, he says, kill the baby. Or kill the boy, not the baby any longer. Kill the boy. But he recognized both as this is his voice. I can trust that. You see where trust becomes such a big issue. Learning to recognize the voice of the shepherd. To recognize and to hear and to respond to his voice. Awaken my ear, Lord, to hear. Let me say this, and there are three more of these that I want to touch, and then I'm going to shut down. Recognizing the voice of God, having your ear awakened is a direct consequence of identifying yourself and walking in the way which is consistent as a disciple. Isaiah chapter 50, 
verse 4 says this. The Lord has given me the tongue of disciples that I may know how to sustain the weary one with a word. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. The Lord has opened my ear and I was not disobedient, nor did I turn back. Did you hear what that just said? He awakened my ear and I wasn't disobedient. Why? Because I'm listening, not just for information. I'm listening so that I can hear, so that then I can obey the thing that you want. You got to be a disciple, you know? The thing that kills so many of us in our in our attempts to follow after Jesus. We like religion. That's just, I've been in my garden and I'm realizing how much I hate vines. Vines are like religion. They just get all wrapped up in everything and they choke the life out of the plant so the plant can't grow. Religion is that way. Jesus says, it's not about you're casting demons out. It's not about your prophecy. It's not about the miracles. Those are all good things. But the thing that it is about is that you do the will of God. Philippians. Mm. I was going to go where I told you earlier, Pastor Michelle, I'm going to leave that and just end this. <laughs> That's an inside thing, by the way. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. So then, beloved, just as you've always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. What's that have to do with knowing his will? It's not so much what you do when you're around other Christians. It's also what you do in your private time. Are you as enthusiastic and impassioned about leaning into Christ when there's nobody around as you are here on Sunday morning when everybody's around? Because God says that. I used to lead worship and I tell people, you know, it's not how you sing when, when you're in, in the service on Sunday. It's what you're doing and how you worship when you're at home and ain't nobody there. And you can't carry a tune in a bucket, but you're just pouring your heart out to God. Lord, I just love you. That's what he's looking for. How you spend your personal time. Lean in as much when you're alone as when you're with him. And then I've already mentioned the difficulties. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 and 36. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. Sometimes this thing means you're going to have to walk through struggles. You're going to have to walk through difficulties. You're going to have to walk through sufferings. People start praying about the will of God. Oh, Lord, I want your will. And they somehow think that there's no problems that are attached to this stuff. No, you want the will of God. Let me, let me make a promise to you. If you're saying, God, I want your will, Jesus, I want to follow you, I guarantee you one place that it's going to take you is the cross. 
man wants to come after me, he's got to deny himself, take up his cross. The thing you don't want, the thing you don't like, the thing that doesn't feel good, the thing that's unpleasant is going to confront you at some point. I guarantee that's going to be the case. So what do you do when that happens and you're pursuing this and all of a sudden you hit a wrinkle or a bump or a wall? You don't stop. You don't change course. Somehow we think the will of God means I won't have difficulty. What you do, you keep going. You don't change your direction. You persevere. You press through. And then when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, his voice, the more you learn to live under his lordship, the more you start to gain clarity in terms of what that looks like. Following Jesus to know his will in some respects is counterintuitive because this is what he says, if you will seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. God has a purpose. Lord, show me this little thing. Well, I tell you what, Learn to live under my rule and under my reign. And the more that you will do that, the clearer you'll be able to recognize. Ah, this is it. You see that? What I'd like is this. Everybody said earlier, Lord, there's some things that are easy for me to obey. There are other things that I have not so easy. Everybody else may not know your not-so-easy things, but you know your not-so-easy things. What I'd like to do is to just take a moment and pray. And for everyone who seriously is saying, I want to go deeper, I want to go further, I want to know, Lord, lean into your will, then I'd like for you to stand. I don't, you know, I just, it's hard to do that because everybody's looking at you, but that's okay. This is between you and God. I'd like for you to stand if you feel like, Lord, I want more. I want to go deeper. I want to go further.